Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, sis. How are you? It is a rainy day again. <sighs> it is moving day. It's moving day. My low. It's I know. Moving day. <laughs> Moving, moving raining days are the best. No. no. Sarcastic. But I'm super, super excited because Why? we have a guest today. Come on. Tell us. We have Rocky Garza in the house. Hey. I love how I say in the house and feel like Chick-fil-A is like our second our home. Our house. Yeah. It's So Rocky's in the chick doesn't sound as cool as... No. That <laughs> sounds really bad, actually. That sounds like... <laughs> This could be over. I <laughs> but in the house, I could, I can be in the house. It's like super way cool. All right, introduce him. Well, this is Rocky Garza. Um, he's a stud. He. Wow. Yeah. We've wow. only had one other guy on the show so far. We've only had one other guy on the show so far. Yeah. And it was Josh, and he, he came with two girls. Mom. Right. Well, he was having breakfast with us. Yeah. Rocky is a sum it up a stud and a business coach so dad does business coaching for fortune 500 companies and rocky does business coaching for what everyone else entrepreneur yeah. the rest of the world the rest, the rest everyone world. else yeah. everyone else yeah yeah for a fortune 501 and up companies <laughs> <laughs> that's who i work with yeah the big dogs mm -hmm. The more, medium, more and more like medium dogs. <laughs> I'll leave the big dogs the to him. The important ones. I went through, so um, it's called Staff Retreat, and I went through it, life-changing. Um, it was a little hard at first because I get free business coaching from dad every Saturday. <laughs> um, Which possibly is the best deal ever i know i am pretty lucky not only that she gets free breakfast yes yeah. which so. might not that might actually be the best deal <laughs> because it's chick-fil-a yes. what do you feed people at staff retreat coffee and then i never have it so i bring my own yes i'm always like hey would you like i don't yeah. have anything for you <laughs> Lacroix, maybe but who wants a Lacroix at 7 30 a.m so no one no yeah lots of good food taco deli eatsies mm -hmm. lots of good stuff yeah, so he's pretty. He's pretty cool. That's it. Just pretty cool. Well, I want him to share oh. his story. He so he says it way better. You haven't me. always been staff retreat. I've not. Yeah. So how did you get from there to here? And by the way, are you an Aggie by any chance? I am an Aggie. Oh my oh, god! Again. Hey, what are we doing? We're do just you, attracted to him. I do guess. Do you not have any friends that are not Aggies? I guess not. <laughs> I'm the proudest member of the Fight Texas Aggie class of 2005. <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of you that are listening, you're welcome. <laughs> don't tell them that I don't have on my Aggie ring, though, and that... I don't I think I've ever seen you wear it. Uh, I only wear it to, like, Events. meetings where someone that's <laughs> above meetings. the Fortune 500 <laughs> might be there. <laughs> secret meetings, secret Aggie mm -hmm. meetings. Secret Aggie meetings. Okay, so you would be... Is this the third or fourth Aggie that we've had on the show? I think he's the fourth. Fourth Aggie on the show. Golly. That says something to you. We, means you, you're doing something right. You're I everywhere. <laughs> yeah, or we are everywhere. <laughs> or both. Okay, so your school is 36 miles down the road, and we've yet to run into an alum from UNT. Nope, they're not doing But College much. Station seems to. So is it true that everybody wants to leave College Station and come to Dallas because you're all here? Every single one of you are here. Yes. Or or Houston, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like those are the two oh, places. Yeah. Everyone yeah. just yeah. you just you choose left or right, and one goes to Dallas, one goes to Houston. What'd you study? 
what does my degree say or what did I study? Because <laughs> those are two distinctly different questions. The answer is yes. Yes. I don't know that I would say I studied a whole lot. School is not necessarily my forte. I didn't It's either. not the best way that I feel like I learn. But I got a speech communication degree. But I also never remember giving a speech. So I'm going to just <laughs> go with I got a communication degree. So I'm not really sure why it was called that. But I was also the last graduating class to ha- where speech com was an option. And I think it's because they realized it was just calm because we didn't actually speak to anyone um so yeah i was looking for the i don't know if easiest would be the right way but i was looking for something that seemed the most general to get a degree as fast as possible to get out of college and you immediately went into calm i immediately went into calm i went left uh left college went to a place called sky ranch and i worked there full-time for about four years as the director for junior high and senior high age kids for summer camp and so Okay, that's that's training for anybody. That is all CEOs should do that. Yes, all CEOs should go and be in charge of thirty five hundred junior high and senior high age kids over the course of thirteen weeks and two hundred and fifty college age counselors who think they're doing a great job who are actually have no idea what they're doing, and then spend sixteen weeks on the road recruiting four days a week at college campuses, interviewing those oh same people gosh. who will come back. For four perfect training. Per, yes, for doll, pennies, pennies on the dollar. Like oh, maybe two man. pennies per dollar. But I bet you got a good tan. I was very tan. <laughs> uh, I had a great foot tan line from all the flip flops that I wore, if that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, I left college, went to Sky Ranch, left Sky Ranch uh, in 08, came back to Dallas, and was a pastor to church for about three and a half years. Cool. So wh- which one? Called Chase Oaks. Uh, North Plano. Chase. So it was a single campus when I was there. Uh, Legacy in 75 is where it was. And now they're, I don't know, three or four multi-campus. All, all up in the up in the burbs, though. Plano, Allen, uh, some of I can't think of where all the all burbs of are up there. All is growing up there. But here's the deal, though. I think I think it's done. You think it's... How, far, how much farther can you the go? The Red River. Right. And then it's <laughs> like, hey... <laughs> Then we're going to need like a bullet train, though, for people who live at the Red River to get to downtown to go to work. <laughs> well, see, but that's why Legacy West there, because Legacy West is the new downtown. Yeah. I mean, really central business. And you, did you see recently on the news that they're breaking ground? They broke ground yesterday on Midtown. Mm. $4 billion development complex at the old Valley View Mall site. What? Like 200 acres. Insane. $4 billion. It'll be bigger than Legacy. Midtown. That's what they're calling it. Midtown. I mean, it sat vacant for 20 oh, years, so it needs to be something. That used to be my jam, though. They used to be where my grandma and I went. Uh, we went to Valley View Mall because it was close. Take a, the, take a while, guess when that was built. I was stunned and, and because it was the place when I moved here. So Valley View Mall is oh, yeah, an we should old tell people. school yeah. mall that you and It used to be the jam. Like, there was, yeah. like, no – there was – no North Park. There was no. Uh, we're talking about all Dallas mall locations Dallas malls, now because yeah. we have a we the have a vast international audience. So yeah. we're talking about yeah. For those of you that are in Uruguay, uh, mm-hmm. this is they're north, not on north of downtown. Netherlands and Italy are big listeners right now. So, but take a while guess when that was built. This I think this will be I think this will be shocking. I mean I really don't have any idea. I feel like I was going there in like 1992. 70. Seventy-five. Pick a mall in this town that's still around from seventy-five. So it's 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 gone way beyond its quote-unquote usage. Now, mm. what's surprising is North Park is older. 
Dang. North Park has been there longer? Yeah. And I'm almost I'm almost positive that it was just before that, hmm. North Park. Because when he built that on um, when Mr. Nashner Nasher built that on ninety acres, people said, You are crazy going that far out. And now look at North Park. One of the top five malls in the country. So it's all about look where North Park is yep. located. Right in the middle. Exactly. Right in the middle. Midtown. Midtown. So so yeah, four billion. So town is moving. Town is moving. And and I agree with Good, you. Yeah, because we're getting crowded. <clears throat> well, Look, the mayor of Frisco says Dallas is a suburb of Frisco. Yep. That's so oh, my god. Isn't that so funny? But, yeah, it's got to stop eventually. Well, you know, I just heard this two weeks ago. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's over at the deck, and he was saying that they're going to do the same thing at Redbird Mall off of 67, mm. which, think about equivalency about, from downtown. About the same. Same distance yeah. just south. Mm. Yeah. Because there's no place else to go. Yeah. Nope. So, Pastor... Pastor. Then, then I uh, photographer. Yep. Resigned yeah. from from doing that. I I got offered my while I was at Chase Oaks. I wanted to be Matt Chandler. So for those who are not familiar, you can look him up. He's a, a pastor here at a church here in Dallas, and a guy that I called the village. Called the village the church. Village. And uh, somebody I aspired to be. I I appreciated his bluntness and boldness and what he said. And so I kind of got offered that job, ish. By the mm-hmm. church I was at, so I was going to be a teaching pastor and teach 20 weekends a year and uh, teach whatever I wanted. They were going to bring somebody in and train me in seminary three days a week and pay for it. It was like the, my what have been Sweet. my dream job at that point. Yeah. And so naturally, I said no. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know that I would have said it as eloquently then as I as as I have now. Hindsight's 2020, 20, but I knew that I like persuasive rhetoric and emotional responses more than I like teaching people about God. Um, and I wanted to be famous. And I think that was a part of me that knew that enough that being on stage at a church 20 weekends a year in front of 5,000 people was a terrible idea. And so I said, no. They said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, of course, I want to be a wedding photographer. <laughs> uh, because that was also on the list. That right. Then, that was just right, right there. It was like, it was speed, calm, wedding, wedding photographer. photographer. Yes, it was all right there. <laughs> and so my wife, Sarah, was an architect and interior designer at HKS, a firm here in Dallas. Yeah, um, nice. She started there. We got married about six months into our marriage. We, it was awful and terrible, and I got to go to work at like 9-ish and come home at 4-ish, and she was like out the door at the dart rail at 6 a.m. and got to come home when she got to come home. Oh, man. So if you know me at all, I'm, I'm very extroverted, very people person. I want to be around people all the time. So she would come home, and I was like a, a puppy waiting for their new owner <laughs> and a glass of wine, and friends was on, and dinner was ready, and you want to hang out. And she's like, I want you to get away from me and give me a glass of wine and not talk to me. And <laughs> I was like, awesome. This is exactly what I thought marriage would be. Uh, and so she ended up resigning from her job, pursued wedding photography, is she an a and girl, too? She's not. She's a Texas Tech Red Raider. I was going to say, if she's working at HKS, she's got to be either a Raider or an Oklahoma State Poke. Yep. She's a Raider. Yeah. Good for her. Yep. Well, she loves She's it. got good architectural bones. She does. She she's is. really good at it. She's a, she's a design wizard. And yeah. so... So anyway, uh, she had started pursuing photography in 2010. We moved to a really small apartment, sold a car, bought a scooter. I watch mm. YouTube videos, learn how to use a camera. I taught her. <laughs> we heard you love weddings or you hate them. We decided we would shoot some. We loved them. And A&M education at its finest. So you're, I think, the third Aggie that hasn't even come close to what they studied, no. which is a trend. I mean, you Allie's the you, same way. So are you. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the exact same way. I'm the exact same way. It's just. School's overrated. We'll get, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. blog. That's next conversa- week. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Did you have a passion for photography? Did you like it? Which so question you're going to answer? Did so I have a passion for it or did I like it? Yes and yes. 
Did I have a passion for it? No. Did I like it? Yes. I had a passion for having the opportunity to be with people on what at that point in their life they thought was the most important day of their life Mm -hmm. and to have 100% full access to do and say whatever I wanted as it related to having an influence on that day. As a photographer, we had the ability to step into any moment at any time and no one questioned us. And at the same time, I could also say, hey, come in here for a second. Look at me. Stop. This is not that, that what you think is important. I'm telling you, it's not. You need to get yourself together because you're going to walk down the aisle in 23 minutes. And that's, that's what you came here for was to do that. Everything else doesn't matter. Nobody cares. I was, there needs to be like a bridezilla coach. You should like maybe make that. Yeah. And I think that's like, man, I wish I would have thought about that while I was a wedding photographer, because I kind of feel like that's really what we did. We, when we had all of our initial consults at our house, we had all of our clients over for dinner before we did any photographs with them. We had spent eight to ten hours with them before the wedding day at all. It was really prep for what you're doing now, wasn't it? 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Allie and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we could almost work ourselves out of the bridal industry <laughs> because it, it, it's so overrated. They get so stressed out about the details mm-hmm. and the shadows and the perfect shot and the font on the invitation. And, and yep. at the end of the day, 23 minutes later, well, they're going to walk down the aisle in 23 minutes, and in 30 minutes, it's over, it's and over. it's done. And nobody yep. remembers. None. Zero. Yep. They all threw your invitation away. Yep. But yep. you should still hire Allie, because she's awesome. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll admit it first thing. Like, you don't have to stress over this. They're just going, it's going in the trash. Yeah, the yeah so 2000, 2011, we shot 50 weddings, 5-0. If you're out there and you think you're going to be a wedding photographer, wow. don't do that. Hear me. Hear me. Do not do that. That's a lot. It was a lot, but we Sarah had quit her How job. How many weekends I quit my are job. Here? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Holy but moly! Yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. like we would shoot a wedding on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so we'd like knock four out in Dang. one week. Right, right. But we were it was our first time being self-employed, and yeah. Sarah, we didn't have insurance, and we didn't have no one was sending us money because they liked us, and there was no such thing as direct deposit in pre-baby, pre-all pre-baby. Yeah. And uh, so we thought, well, we're going to see if we like it. At the end of 2011, we realized we love shooting weddings, but we only like shooting certain type of weddings. We don't want to just be the all-encompassing wedding photographer. So we rebranded in 2012. That's when we became Sarah Rocky Photography of what was known in the past. We shot about 40 weddings a year, every year, 2012, 13, 14, 15. Early 15, we found out we were pregnant. Technically, my wife was pregnant. I wasn't. We've had this conversation before. we had this conversation, had this conversation yeah. Uh, so we were <laughs> pregnant. And uh, I think really in that moment, something clicked in my wife that said, that your wedding day is not the most important day in the entire world. Not to devalidate your marriage, but it's not the most important day. And do I want to give up 40 Saturdays a year away from my son when we're there's birthday parties and friends and family and get togethers to shoot somebody else's wedding. And I feel like at the exact same moment, I had a realization that said, just because I have the ability to do something doesn't mean I have to spend my life doing that. And we were shooting 40 weddings a year at six to $7,000 a wedding. You can do the math on your iPhone yourself. It was a fairly lucrative income to work one day a week and have the rest of the week to do it the, the rest of the way we wanted. People were paying us to travel the world, shoot their wedding. It was incredible. Yeah. But to what end? To the end that we had money and that was fun? Like that's, that, that was a, that's no, no value to us. So I said, if there was anything I could do, what would I do? If I could marry my life experience, the, the fast track of, you know, Growing up, my parents got divorced when I was two, lived with my mom or my grandparents growing up, went to 13 schools before I graduated high school, um, went to college. I think if I could marry that with eight years of ministry and eight years entrepreneurship, what would that look like? Um, I'm not a business expert or a strategy expert or a branding expert, but I want to be a people expert. I want to have the ability to sit down with individuals and teams, whether it's a company of one or a company of 50,000, 
and have an opportunity to have a conversation about who people are as individuals, what they value, how they do what they do, why they do what they do, what they do it, as it relates to them as a human, so they can then take that and apply that to every arena of life. I think if we make a big funnel and we put the roles that we play, fears, insecurities, hopes, dreams, and we try to squeeze all that out of the bottom, and we hope whatever comes out is our identity, I don't think that's going to work. Did, did staff retreat find you, or did you find staff retreat? Both. Chicken. It's <laughs> the easy answer. I wish you could, I should have took a picture of that. He, he had deep thought all of a sudden. I think I knew <clears throat> that I wanted to spend my life doing something that didn't put me in the middle because I'd spent the first 21 years of my life standing in the middle of my own, my own mess. And I knew to do that, it required for me to not be the person who was going to be on stage all the time in front of 5,000 people hanging on my every word. It was going to require me to allow somebody else to be the hero. And so I think that was going on me searching what could that possibly be and saying what what knowledge and experience do I have now? If, if wisdom is the marriage of knowledge and experience, what wisdom, what knowledge do I have and what experience have I gained? If all those things jam together in an intersection, what, what happens with that? And so, yeah, I think the answer is both. Probably it found me more than I found it. Once it found me, though, when it stares you in the face, I think with a lot of us, we always have a decision. You either look back at it and respond or you turn away and you go the other direction. This was an opportunity where I, 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 couldn't have, I couldn't turn around and walk away. So it's all about choices, right? 100%. How many people face, how many people do you suspect come up to those choices and something holds them back? And I'm, I'm going somewhere with the question. I think yeah. you probably know where I'm going with that. But what percent do you think they come up to a decision like that and something holds them back? You think it's a large percent of people that do? I think it's 85 plus yeah, percent. Yeah. So. I got something in my head, but I want to see what your what your thoughts are on this. What's what do you think top one or two things reasons that holds people back? I think fear. Yeah, that's number, number one. one. Yeah, that's where oh, I, yeah. that's what I had in my head. And yeah. I think, but I think fear can manifest itself in a lot of ways. I think fear can manifest itself in pride. Yeah. So I already have a good job. I make good money. I do something. So, but but I think I think pride is just a manifestation of some type of fear. Uh, I think insecurity is another type of fear. I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm gonna fail. I'm, it's it's too hard. Um, what am I? What are my parents gonna think? What are my friends gonna think? What's right. my boss gonna think? Which goes back to pride. So I, th- I think number at the end of the day, number one is fear. Fear from that, you know, we can make right. Define define fear because fear's a good thing, and and you know, just from a just from a faith based standpoint, I mean, I think the number is in the seventies number of times that it's actually says do not be afraid Mm -hmm. unpack fear what i mean how do you how do you define fear i think fear is where what you where what you don't know comes into intersection with what you expect is going to happen and you're afraid those two things are not going to meet so i i have i have an expectation of what i think it's going to be but I don't know, and I don't know how it's going to work out. And the unknown and lack of control puts me in a scenario where I think I, I fight or flight, I free, I move. I, I mean, I, to make it really simple, I have a 19-month-old little boy, and you put him in a room, lights on or off, it doesn't matter, but you close the door. He doesn't close it. You close it. All of a sudden, fear kicks in. And what is it? 
he doesn't know. He doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know what to do or where to go. And every comfort, every security, everything he knew to be true about him and the scenario that would keep him safe went away. And so all of a sudden fear kicks in and we say, I can't, I won't. It's going to fail. It's going to stop. It's going to. And so I think there's an element of to overcome fear. You've got to be able to see risk, but not risk as constantly negative. When is fear good? Because some fear is good. 100%. Yeah, fear is good. I think fear is good when it, when it tells you you don't know what you don't know. But you, if you respond to that and go, that is true, I don't know that, but I want to push into it, great. It's when you say, you're, I'm afraid, and I know, but I don't know, because I don't know, I guess I'm going to fail, and so you crumble. You turn, you run, you... That's life's balancing act. Constantly. Balancing when's, when's the right... What's the right lever to pull on fear? And when do you pull it and all of a sudden it causes you to crumble? But right. I think in the moment where you where fear exists, and so we'll use that as a metaphor, fear is looking us in the face or we're looking in the face, either one. I think we have two options. We can either act or we can react. And I think by nature, because culturally in society, we want to respond and we want satisfaction and results right now. We want results four seconds ago for what's going to happen in four seconds. We, we live in a reactionary world. All of us are constantly reacting to everything. We're not acting on anything. So I'm going to post a photo on Instagram, and then I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to react to that photo based on what everybody says. Not I'm going to post this photo and take action to say what needs to be said, and if three people read it, great, and if 4,000 people read it, great. The, the end goal is that I thought I was supposed to do it, so I did it. It ended. Right there, it ended. It stopped. We don't re- I don't think most of us respond that way. I think we do it in hopes of waiting for a reaction. So fear stands us, looks us in the face. We wait. So we true. wait and react. And then when we react, you're four seconds late. Right. As right. opposed to going, I'm going to act. And the action might be run. It's scary. Right. That's fine. That's what, if, if, I look, if I'm in the forest and I see a bear, I'm scared. Scared says, get out of the forest. I'm, a- I'm acting. Fear with the bear is a good thing. It's a great thing. <laughs> Unless you want to be eaten unless you want to be yeah the bear, bear the a bear, bear filet sandwich yeah, bear filet. <laughs> right right <clears throat> how long you been doing staff retreat when did that did it start so you had the epiphany you had the photo epiphany and babies do that by the way man babies create clarity i'm telling you man so when did you when did you have the aha i would say the aha came late 2014 we and sarah and i had gone to nashville met with some friends we were leaving. What are you guys doing? Oh, we're going to go. We rent this cabin in the woods every fall. And just the two of us go and we look about our year. What do we do? What do we not do? And ask some questions, try to figure it out. And so I thought, man, I've been really wanting to do that, but I wanted that for somebody else. I don't want to do that for myself. I, I don't want to go ask myself questions. I don't know the answer to that doesn't help me. And so it kind of clicked. That moment kind of clicked late 2014. We found out we were pregnant and I said, you know what? I really want to do this. And so I, I, I say I launched, which means I paid the $15 up front to get a domain and a Squarespace site and then put on Facebook that I had a business. That's, yep. what, that's what we call launching <laughs> these days. <laughs> it was a full marketing campaign. I shared it uh, from mine and Sarah's account. So, Using that full Aggie degree That's right. I was just ready to go. Well, we're doing a, a soft launch tomorrow with a full launch in three days, uh, which means I'm going to go Facebook today and Instagram in both three days from now. And so I just said, I, I, I want to do this. The first two people that came over to my house, sat in my living room. Sarah left for the day. I ordered, had Trader Joe's croissants that I made before they showed up. I made some coffee. We ordered a sandwich for lunch and I had an Evernote doc pulled up on my iPhone and I asked them questions off an Evernote doc with a big whiteboard that I had on the 
easel that I bought the night before to be in my living room. That was an air quote easel for those of you, which means it really wasn't an easel. I was going to say, he's air quoting. I'm so glad that you, that's just awareness. (laughs) So that's how it started early 2015. And that year, let's call it eight to 10 people. I kind of took through the retreat process and then I needed a location, not in my house. So we found a place I needed a location. So we went to a different place and um, then we started kind of building some curriculum and then we, we need a booklet and then now we need to, uh, and then it wasn't until late 2015, I was leading a retreat for a couple and I was taking them through the process, which is now called identity mapping. Then it didn't have a name. And I said, I just, I feel like this is really useful and can be really profitable and help people outside of just sole proprietor entrepreneurs. But I don't want to call it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to, and the husband that I was in the retreat said, man, this, man, this is just a map. This is just a map of my identity. And I was like, well, well thank oh, you. Thank and, you. uh, <laughs> yeah, you let me know what you need for the rest of your life. Cause I'm now satisfied. So I think <laughs> really from there is where that process started. It started to build and identity mapping now is really the foundation or the, the key point, the crux of everything that staff retreat does. Everything. But comes it didn't from start that. off at that. I mean, it started no, off. It started as off as a Evernote, Evernote doc in my living room with really crappy croissants, asking people <laughs> questions about hey, 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 what Trader they like Joe, about themselves. Trader Joe croissants aren't crappy. I mean, come I mean, on. But comparatively to your full experience now, you get to go to the Wild House. I make you a full breakfast. That's I mean, true, so, but it's not Chick Fil A. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, okay, you're right. <laughs> There's no Chick Fil A in Kansas. We'll have so. to talk. We'll have to talk about the Wild House here here in a second. So, but the purpose. For those first couple of people sitting in your living room with croissants on a whiteboard, the purpose of them sitting there was to do what? To help them see that you can't have a sustainable business if you don't have a sustainable life. Boom. And as an entrepreneur, you cannot create a business, a business plan, or do anything profitable if you're a jerk or your life is a mess. I don't care how great your product, your your service, your branding, your widget, I don't care how great that is. If And when I say jerk, I'm going to let that be the definition for anything that is not beneficial to the people or serving the people around you. It's you in the middle trying to make money. It's not going to work. So the good news is staff retreat should have a never ending supply of people to help. That's the goal. Uh, yeah, because uh, everybody There's struggles with it. There's people out there. Everybody struggles everyone with struggles. it. Everybody, everybody struggles. And with I think it. that's why identity mapping for me became so valuable because then I could have a four-hour conversation with somebody one-on-one who was in transition, who was an employee at a company, who was. Yeah. It, if you're a human being, you need to sit down and have a four-hour conversation about who you are. And when you leave, I'm gonna have told you nothing about you that you don't already know. But I know that 99.9% of the population, unless it's your profession like mine, or you've been through the process or you happen to just be an anomaly where you take long periods of time to do self-analyzation to figure out how you can impact the rest of the world, which most of us are not doing. We all need help. I need help. I have to have conversations about me and what I'm doing in my brand all the time. Right. Well, unfortunately, and the, 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 the genius behind what you do is um, they work really hard in school to teach us how to do skills, mm-hmm. right? They, they teach us how to you know, be an accountant, how to, you know, run a business, how to write a strategy. Uh, they teach us all these things um, and they fall short in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that seems to be the gap. And then we get out, we run really, really, really hard. And then all of a sudden we look up and we go, holy cow, there's no meaning. You know, I think it's really interesting. I, I'm 34, which I feel like I'm like 24 and simultaneously <laughs> I feel like I'm almost 50. And I don't know how that works, but I feel Wait both at the same time. Go easy on the 50s. <laughs> And, but I think I've had a really rare privilege that I didn't get a cell phone until I turned 18. And so 18 plus 18, pretty sure is 36. So I'm almost halfway, which means I've lived half of more than half of my life with zero technology. 
and then a little less than half of my life inundated with technology. But I think because of that, my formative years were done face-to-face, eye-to-eye in a front yard, sweating in the summer, walking barefoot to the swimming pool, because that's what you did with your friends. And you had three on, I had a huge Schwinn bicycle that looked like Pee Wee Herman's, Mm -hmm. and I was always the largest kid in my class. So I had a small friend who would sit on the handlebars and a kid on the pegs in the back, and I would pump all three of us to the pool every day, sweating. But we, So I think because of that, there was an element of relationship and depth and intimacy created because we didn't have the option not to mm-hmm. that I think it's even now my grandma both my mom my dad my stepmom they're all on Facebook they all post on Facebook it's more scary. than I do they're it's all scary the worst thing and the best thing I ever did for my dad was get him Wi-Fi access and, and a laptop yes. and I think he was 76 he has an iPhone too now. I know now, he, now he's yeah, I mean, my grandma an is 75 yeah. has a iPhone and an iPad and I, I know when she's on because like the last eight photos on Instagram all get a like, you know, like okay, that's how long it's been since the last time you got on. But I think because of that, I'm having, I want you to come and sit with me in a still quiet office and I want us to look eye to eye for minimum three to four hours. And it, it's, I'm not asking you anything that's absurd. I'm asking you, what do you think about most? What are you fearful of? What do you, what do you hope to accomplish in your life? What does that look like? What do you, what do you value? What's the foundation that you live on? What's the, how do you operate best? What do you actually do? I want to tap on that. I want to pull that through it. And by the way, not to make you feel old, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was your age now. Mm. And it was the size of a small suitcase. I remember that. My grandma had one in her yeah, car. It was a, it was a bag phone and I, mine was considered mobile because it wasn't mounted into my car mm-hmm. and it weighed somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 pounds and I was the coolest dude. I was total James Bond. And you were so strong because you carried a 12 oh. pound <laughs> Well, I'm still worried that my doctor on one of my physicals are going to say, we're not exactly sure where this mass came from, but uh, it's right around your head and it's probably Possibly right. from your bag phone. <laughs> Holding up this nuclear device close to my head. So I totally get what you're saying. What are you going to say, sis? I, I was going to say how, because I grew up that way too. Like I did. Yes, she had a cell phone at two. No, what I'm saying <laughs> is like I grew up like playing outside and playing pig or horse. I think it's horse. horse. Like, yeah, with like the basketball. You weren't like very good that. at basketball. You played pig. pig. So yeah, you play I played pig. pig. <laughs> but I'm very curious to know like what this new generation that is literally constantly in their phone will grow up to be like and how staff will treat will involve to those new you know yesterday i took a group of uh eight students who were just graduated college or and they're just finished their freshman year of college through identity mapping they're in a intern one month internship program and it was crazy uh how similar all of their answers were as compared to when I take a group of 30 mid thirties through identity mapping and the answers are all across the board. That's crazy. Um, all of, all of them said all, every single one of them, when I asked them, the number one question that everybody answers is what do you think about most as a human being? Where do you spend your brain power? 100% of people in the room wrote down sex. No, thank goodness. Dad. No, but I'm thinking. Uh, no, it's social media. That's what I thought they were going to say. Exactly. So, no, they all said, "What's the thing you think about most? What other people are thinking about?" Oh. And then number two yes. was sex. <clears throat> one hundred reality. One hundred percent of them. That was their answer. The only thing they wrote down: what other people think about me. Wow. And it blew, it blew my mind wow. because 
it sh I feel like it, it just had a large realization for me. And so, I, you know, I made the point that I was like, do, okay, so take it for example. If we're all in the room worried about what everybody's thinking about us, how many of you are thinking about somebody else? And they were like, zero, zero, zero percent. Zero. Okay, so we're all looking around thinking what other people are thinking, and none of us are actually thinking about what they're thinking because we're worried about what they're thinking about us. Therefore, none okay, of us have cared about so anybody. Okay, that is so That's mind-blowing. You're That's right. That's so sad. But we're all worried about what everybody else is thinking. But they're the they're most connected. The they know everything. Yeah. And I, I intentionally said, show me your phones and power it down. Like, we're not, don't Snapchat me. Don't Instagram me. Don't Insta story me. Like, we're going to. And every time there was a break, you, I mean, Bing. Yeah. six out of eight of them would pick their phone up to look at it. But it would be off. And they would, like, look at each other embarrassed and, like, set it back down uh. on the table. <laughs> and how crazy is that we're the most connected we've ever been before. And we have the least amount of security in it is that who we are. Well, I mean, Gallup research says that while we're the most connected, we're the most shallow connected. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, right. like, we right. know so much about every single other person, but do like it's all, all surface. Like, yeah. you really don't know me. In Gallup's book, um, well, uh, uh, Rath, uh, I think it's John Rath. Uh, that wrote for Gallup in his book Wellbeing. He, he talks about a survey or a study they did. Um, they interviewed a group of people and said, in, in a great time of crisis, how many people could you contact if you had a major crisis in your life? And the largest percentage, like 36%, said three people. They took the exact same study 20 years later, asked the exact same um, question in a great time of need, how many people... Uh, could you contact and the largest group over 30% said zero so more connections than ever before but yet more shallow than ever before and that's uh, you know we're we're 10,000 miles wide and a half inch deep I think I think it's because people just have a fear of missing out but mm -hmm. uh, there's always some totally. they always think there's something better on yeah. the other side yeah, yeah, yeah. but when oh, you were man. growing up how many best friends did you have yeah like you probably had two or three go-to guys. That were at my house. All the time. All the time. All the time. And we can all go back to our childhood, and we knew the one or two that we went deep with. Right. And now, all of a sudden, it's the fear of missing out on everybody. Right. Yeah. No, and totally and even, I mean, even now, I'm 34 years old, and I, you know, follow-up. Follow-up for me is really difficult. I am a, I am a front man, blow things up, drop bombs, uh, long-term follow-through. <clears throat> not, not good at it fully aware that I'm not good at it, fully aware of the fact that I absolutely need it in order to survive in my life, fully aware that I'm not good at it. And I sit down with, there's three guys uh, in my life, Eric, Vince, and Ashley, and I sit down with them. I see them all at least once a week, uh, some of them multiple times a week, but once a quarter we have a conversation uh, over a dinner typically where I say, hey, I want you to know that I care about you and I love you and I need you in my life. I know there are times you text me and I don't text you back. And it's not because I don't want to, it's because I saw it, something else came into my mind, I thought I'd text you back and I just forgot. I need for you to know that is not, that is not an indication of my desire, care, love to be in a relationship with you. And so I, I need to constantly tell you this to remind you I'm in it and I need, I'm asking you to be in it with me and say, hey, stop being a jerk and text me back because I know you see this and I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm Do they go, look at you and go, we're going to start texting you back. Stop being a jerk and text me back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Because we that, talked about this. That's your personal board. Yeah, but it's your personal board. It has right? to be. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And everybody's got to have those people in your right. life. Yeah, absolutely. So I got to pull a thread on something you said earlier. Um, values. I'm just absolutely fascinated. What are the top one or two values that you see as a common thread that people are sharing? Hey, these are the things that are the most valuable to me. What, what would you say makes the top one or two, three list? 
when I take people through the exercise, I give them an option of 50 to look through that they get to select their top five. 50. That's a lot. You're nicer than me that you even give them an option to look at because that's priming. But here's the deal. That's the reason I do is because people don't know what values are. Well, you tell, you give them a definition of, you give them a definition of value, but the minute you prime them with those 50, they look up and go, Oh yeah, that seems fun. I want that. And there's a difference between wanting that and living that. Totally. And I think that's, and I, people ask me almost a hundred percent of the time. Okay. So are these things that I hope people see in me? Or are these things that I actually value? Yeah, very are, good. Or are these things that describe me or I'm saying, no, no, the, these are the things that you as a human being absolutely value the most. You know, I don't know that I can, I can, without bringing my laptop and pulling up all the data from everybody, I could tell you what the most frequent are. It'd be fascinating. Because they're so, they're so all over the place. You know, I I, want to say, I want to say the ones that come to mind the most are authenticity. I think is one that I see constantly. That they desire or that they actually truly value. As something that they truly value. That doesn't mean they're good at it, and it right, doesn't right. mean they do it, but they act, they truly value right. the opportunity for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so I always push back and I say, "Are you? Do you mean authenticity or do you mean vulnerability?" And they say, "Well, what? Well, what's, what's the difference?" What's the difference? Ah, that's genius. And so I say, "Well, to me, authenticity means what you see is what you get. I'm actually, I'm what who I am is what you're getting." But that doesn't mean that it has it's it can be very one sided. I can be authentic and be a royal jerk and care about no one, and what you see is what you get. To me, vulnerability is creating the opportunity to see and be seen by others. So I think there's this, this connotation with vulnerability that it's negative or it's bad. It's emotional. Vulnerability means you just like dump all your baggage on the table. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's I what it is. I don't agree. And I think authenticity can, can skew all the way to the end of I have no filter, and so therefore it's okay. Correct. And it's not authenticity. It's not, no, because right. it's, it's, it's only one directional, right. whereas vulnerability has to be both. It's creating the opportunity to be seen. So I, I put myself in a position that you can see the true me and the opportunity to see you which requires responsibility of me to care for you as an individual. And people are always like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go with authenticity. I'm like, I knew. <laughs> the I know you scary. will because the it. other one is scary. Hey, do you know Dr. Brene Brown? I, oh, oh, man. Man. Genius. That should be pre-reading for anybody who it walks in. It should be in pre-reading and, for a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Power of Vulnerability <laughs> audiobook. Right. Every person should have to listen to it three times. 100%. 100%. It is. It is. Okay, we may, we're going to have, we're probably going to have, not probably, we're going to have to have him back for like round two because I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at our time and we're at 38 minutes in and I could do this all stinking day all long. All day long. All day long. But um, give us a, give us, um, and Sis and I are on this big kick right now on simplicity mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Life's way too complex. We got to find simple. Way too complex. Way too complex. As a matter of fact, we were talking about some blogs. Um, and the the space is filled with bloggers, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like you skew. And as a com guy, you know, studying com in school, um, there's this, there's this. You seem to go to two ends of this, and people blog for therapeutic reasons, mm-hmm. blog vomit or mm-hmm. blog therapy, which I get it, but it's not effective. Right. And so we constantly go back to, you know, how do you create simplicity in life? How do you create simplicity in life? And I think the older you get, and certainly I am older than both of you almost combined, which is just scary. Um, but you don't uh, act it. I, well, thank you. Cause so I, much wisdom. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel Rocky's age, um, but I'm, I'm almost y'all's age combined. The older I get, the more... Um, I become aware that simplicity is absolutely vital. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's actually challenging to be simple mm-hmm. because it's much easier you know if, if i get asked to to do a speech it would be much easier to talk for three hours straight mm-hmm. on a topic than to talk for 20 minutes mm-hmm. 20 minutes is tough you gotta be you gotta be sharp you gotta be tight so hard uh, you gotta be tight i know because there's so much stuff so many things to say there is there's so many things to say but if you had to give people listening um one thing and andy stanley actually wrote this the most phenomenal book on this you know and he is notorious andy stanley great leadership expert pastor of one of the um probably leading churches in the country i mean just from a teaching standpoint he's just a phenomenal teacher he wrote this great book on the power of one right right and it's all about you know we grew up from a theological standpoint teaching three-point sermons but he said three's too many give me one thing Mm -hmm. give me one thing to walk away with What's one thing that you would tell listeners from a leadership tip if, if they went through the week? Hey, look, if you could focus on this thing this week, man, it's it's just gonna it's just gonna bring value to your week. What's what's one thing that you would tell them? Give every person you interact with the benefit of the doubt. Ooh. Drop the mic. We're done. Thank you for joining us today, group, and it's been awesome. Drop the mic. Boom. That is brilliant. Yeah, we've. That's been our theme. That has. <laughs> It's been our theme this week of life. And here's and here's how I'm gonna I'll break that down. I think as human beings, there are two things we have to be able to say in the same breath at the same time, and it's this: that you are 100% unique and extraordinary, and there literally is no one in the world like you. You are you are the most unique and extraordinary version of yourself that ever existed, and in the same breath you are the most ordinary human being that's ever existed because you have no more or no less value than the person sitting to your right or to your left. And so to be able to know I can live in freedom, that I am 100% extraordinary, and I, there's no reason to compare myself to anybody because there's no one in the world like me, and mm-hmm. I am a, just an average old person because there's nobody better or worse as it relates to my value than than, than anybody else yeah. and in that there's an immense amount of freedom I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I'm not better than you and you're not better than me and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because you're bringing something to the table that I absolutely 100% cannot do and I'm bringing something to the table that you 100% cannot do so true did you read my blog post last week? no that was bullet point number three see? we're on the I, same page I just it I is. think it's, it's so life. brilliant and and you know I think if there was if there was a single message that we talked about between now and the end of the year, if it was that message, um, I know my life would be cleaner, hundred um, percent, and those around us would. I mean, and and you know when you um, my my new book coming out in November leans into that very topic mm. because I, I personally I think it's one of the biggest things that we struggle with. And it goes back to, you know, we have a choice of leading a life of judgment or leading a life of love. Yep. And when we lead a life of judgment, we tend not to give the benefit of the doubt. Yep. We walk into every situation judging the other person by the way they look, by the way they sound, by the way they dress, whatever the case may be, versus starting the conversation with compassion, realizing that you bring something very unique to the, to the table. Genius. Love it. Genius. You need two things every day. You need space and grace. Ooh. 
Okay, now, we should have saved that for the second show because we could have done a whole show on that. Well, we can come. Let's I go. love that. Oh I, my gosh! If, if you keep buying Chick Fil A biscuits, you just tell me to come on back here. <laughs> Speed round, quick. Speed round. Um, pizza or burgers? Burgers. Whoa! What? You're only the second person who's ever said that. Best Bacon, burger. avocado, fried egg, caramelized onions, jalapenos, barbecue sauce, smoky cheddar. Where do you get that? Because I'm there. The Hop Daddy. Hot, Hot Dottie. Is that, is that the best burger for you in Dallas? Best burger for me in Dallas is Small Brew Pub. Oak Cliff, Jefferson Street. Happy hour. Okay, you're going to laugh at me. Best burger in Dallas right now because it's, it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. You're going to totally laugh at me. Taco Diner. Uh, no. it, look! Look at the look he's giving me right he now. He had one on his birthday, and he says it's. I amazing. went. To, I went for Mexican food. Okay. In the middle of their menu, it says cheeseburger, and so the guy comes over, and I said, <laughs> and it, the write-up says, um, "You're probably wondering what a cheeseburger's doing in the middle of a Mexican restaurant," and it and it says dot 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 making us proud, and so the, our server comes over, and I said, "Okay, you got to be you got to be straight up with me. I don't think I've ever noticed this because I always order the same thing when I go there." Sure. How many people get this? He looked at me, he smiled, and he says, oh, a lot. I said, I'm in. Bring it to me. Bring it. And, oh, by the way, I need a brisket taco on the side just to say I had Mexican food while I was here. Dude, Rocky. So good. Blow your mind. All right. Blow it your mind. pretty good. Blow your mind good. Yeah, blow your mind good. All right, next question. If you were, what is it, a character... <laughs> Why you do? You are so much better at these than I. She loves this part. She loves this part. Well, you're, we already know what he drinks. Yeah, coffee or tea. He's a coffee drinker. Definitely. Black. Black coffee because Black cream coffee. takes too long. Nah, I mean, it's, it's unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> I drink coffee because I want coffee. I don't drink sugary milk because I want it to be warm and brown. They're so funny. Oh, Starbucks hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and no. I, I don't appreciate them. <laughs> yeah. If you could be a, a character yeah. in any movie, yeah, and that true. and that would be the life you could just lean into and go, I could do this. What or movie, that describes your life. Or describes your life. But what character and what movie would it be? Now I'm going to give you an example. Sis wanted to be Cinderella. But the dad dies. But she wanted to rewrite the movie so the dad died. <laughs> I would be Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> because he loves the Lord. Superhero. Yeah. He's a Mexican yeah. luchador. Yeah. He works at an orphanage for children. He can also cook. He falls in love. He, he buys does get the bus. girl. He has He's sweet outfits sweet and white outfit. boots. <laughs> He's bilingual. That is a perfect. He travels. I mean, who would... And that's it. Not, not really Libre. Drop the mic. The best story. Done. That's the best one we've heard so the far. The best one. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve or what are you very particular about? Yeah. Let me, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, LK, Landon Koch, chews with his mouth open, mm. according to Sis. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> I hate people that smack their food. Mm-hmm. Hence why we do not eat breakfast yes, while, we're doing, while breakfast. we're doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Biggest, biggest pet peeve. Things that, things that just drive you, just like, you gotta be kidding me. Really? What's yours, Dad, while he thinks about it? Um, so I fly almost for a living. Mm-hmm. And the announcement when you get on the airplane has been the same announcement for mm. 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for boarding our flight today. We have a very full flight. Please find your seat as quickly as you can. Put your big bag up and your small bag down. Same announcement. I have over three and a half million miles. Mm. It's the same announcement. What drives me crazy is people hear it and they think, this doesn't apply to me. Mm. This applies to the other 125 people on this flight. I will put both of my bags up. And the young girl who gets on last, it's just her tough luck. She's just going to have to check her bag. Drives me crazy. Mm. Drives me crazy. Yes. Another thing that drives you crazy is when your cords aren't put back in the same spot that you have them. <laughs> Learned yeah. that the hard way. <laughs> We're packing up our podcast, and all of a sudden I'm looking at Sis going, Sis, that doesn't go there. Oh, it'll be fine. No, I'll never find it. I'll never find it. So what is one thing that you're particular about? It really, really irks me when people are driving as though wherever they are going and whatever they are doing is the most important thing on the planet. (laughs) And I just paused, hit my brakes, flashed my lights, let you get in front of me in the (laughs) middle of traffic because you needed to get over. And then 28 seconds later, somebody else is merging, trying to get in front of them. And they're riding the guy in front of them so close. (laughs) Nobody can get over. They won't let him in. They won't. Oh my gosh. I don't get, I don't get, it doesn't make me angry. Like I want to like, cuss or honk my horn it just, just makes me so confused mm-hmm. as to why drive you crazy. they are the most why why what they're doing there they're the most important person in the world i don't understand we talked sis and i had this conversation at almost midnight last night there are givers and takers in the world mm-hmm. and it's really hard to spend tremendous time with takers mm. and because i can spend time with takers don't get me wrong but they can suck the lifeblood out of you Hundred percent, and I think all three of us are definitely givers. Well, and if you're a strong giver, then being in the same room for with a taker can be draining. It's like kryptonite, mm-hmm. um, because you want to give, you want to give, you want to give, but at some point you completely drain yourself, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, takers are constant, notorious. Because look, I go through times where I need I need to take a little something too. Because yep. uh, look, as a giver, you can drain. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and so you gotta you gotta spend some time. Do you think the world is creating more takers than givers, like with like society? Oh, and such a good question. That's a whole nother show. That's brilliant. I know. I always come up with the good stuff right at the very end. <laughs> right when does, right when we're hitting this stuff. <laughs> she, she doesn't really get going. She, I know it. She doesn't really get going until like uh, you know forty five minutes. I'm, the I'm short r- answer I'm to right your down. question is yes. I think so too. I think so. I think we are 100% creating takers. So the challenge is, see, I wonder, like, for, like, I think a lot of parents are messing up with kids right now, and I think they're, like, seeing that. So, like, Ezra's generation, I feel like, has a lot more hope because they're noticing that, like, oh, we, this is bad. So I think there's a lot more hope for the babies i think but I that think middle something i i think that middle group is if you're 15 right now you're so screwed you're screwed uh, yeah unless yeah. unless people who are our age yeah are willing to push in really hard to the people who are currently in high school and going to go to college and the next eight years we make it up we start to fill the parenting gap that was left Ooh. that's that's so true so i'm just i'm just having this thought does 
does constant giving create takers? So if you grew up oh. and as a parent, all you're doing is giving, 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 giving. Too much giving becomes enabling. Enabling becomes breeding takers. Yes. Right? So it's the balance, right? A whole other show getting ready to happen right there. We're probably going to have to edit this it's because it's like two genius shows. The entire millennial generation. Right. Unbeknownst to them, their parents were givers. Yeah. And created a bunch of takers. And then now they all woke up and realized... What did I just what do? What did I just do? <laughs> this is not who I want to be, but I don't know how not to be. And then what am I going to do next? Hire Rocky Garza. Brum, brum, brum. www.staffretreat.co. Staffretreat.co, right? You'll go to the awesome Correct. Wild House in oh, Canton. We didn't even talk about the Wild House. we got to have you come back next on. Next Wild time. House is like Look this it up, genius Airbnb. place. Um, and it's spelled W-I-L-D-E. E. Correct. House. House. Uh, check that out. Check out. Um, and they can't find you through Rocky Garza. They have to find you through Staff Retreat. You can go to rockygarza.com. Okay, It'll good. take you to the speaking page on staffretreat.com. Got it. All right. So yeah. a couple ways to do that. And this has been this has been a blast. want to I want to say it's the best ever, but there's the people that have been on before you are going to email us and say, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I you said you Equal. were the best ever. Equal. I will definitely say today you are the best we've had today. Thanks. So yep. this has been this this has been this has been that totally be awesome. Your tagline at the end of every podcast. <laughs> hey, thank you for coming. Well, you are the best, best we have had today. today. That's exactly right. So we have to tell everybody that you can listen to this on iTunes and on Stitcher because we're now on Stitcher. We had to apply and to on, on Amazon. Stitcher and on Amazon on TuneIn because if you want Alexa to to play Breakfast with Sis, she's going to play it on TuneIn, and mm. so you can actually find it on Beautiful. on TuneIn. So. Dude, you have been amazing. I appreciate you. Thanks Thank for you. coming Thanks on for this rainy me. Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. I appreciate you a ton. Yep. I really, I really do. I appreciate all that you do and well, all that you've done for Sis. Um, it's been, it's been good. It's been good for her. It's made my mornings a little bit easier too. Uh, we got, we got to go, Sis. All right. I love you. I love you too, Daddy. See you. Bye. Bye.